Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. You're listening to the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. And on this episode, we cover how to talk about your adoption plans with family and friends. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. My name is Tim Elder and this is the podcast all about domestic infant adoption. And if you're a faithful listener or if this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I'm a dad of two through adoption. My wife and I adopted uh, both as newborns and we're on our journey number three. So uh, I'm right there with you. If you're If you're adopting, I'm right there along with you for the ride. And you know, this is a special episode because this is the very first time we've had a sponsor on the podcast, and uh, I want to welcome Bethany Christian Services. They are a full-service Christian nonprofit adoption agency with locations in 36 states, and they've been helping families adopt since 1944, and they're going to help you create an adoption plan that's right for you and your family, and they'll be there to support you every step of the way. And really, the journey with Bethany does not end when the adoption is finalized. They offer post-adoption services for families, adoptive parents, and adoptees. So I invite you to check out some of their adoption stories on their website, and you can learn how to get started at bethany.org forward slash infant adoption guide. Okay, everyone. So on the episode today, we're going to have a great discussion with Dawn Baker. She is uh, here to help us figure out how to talk about adoption with family and friends, which, and there's a lot that goes into that. She is the pregnancy counseling and adoption services line director for Bethany at at their Michigan office. And she's extremely knowledgeable and passionate about working with expectant parents and adoptive parents. And I just love this interview because she does a fantastic job of sharing her wisdom. You'll see how much wisdom and knowledge she has and experience with talking with uh, uh, family and friends about your adoption plans it's a really a topic that affects us all, and uh, so I really hope you enjoy this interview. Some really cool things you'll learn about Dawn in here, and uh, she'll explain what she does and all that in the interview, so I hope you enjoy it. Here you go. Okay, hello, and welcome to the show, Dawn. How are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous. It's great to be with you. Well, I'm so excited to have you on, and I'm really excited for this topic of this episode because so many of us, hopeful adoptive families, we have friends and and a family of ours that are just a big part of our journey. And we need their love and support as we build our family through adoption, especially even after we've adopted. Uh, having adopted twice now, I really know that that really is an Im- has an impact on our life. So I'm very thankful to have you on the show today. Uh, you know, once the infant adoption process goes, it starts, it can go on for months and even a few years. And yeah. The journey is definitely an emotional one, and uh, you know when we're building our family through adoption, our friends and family, uh, having them around us to support us, to comfort us, and really even be excited with us along the way is a big deal. So that's what we're talking about today, and I would just like it if you, Don, could introduce yourself, just kind of give us a, uh, a rundown of what you do, and maybe what's going on real quick in your in your world. Sure. Uh, honored to do so. So I uh, felt this real big calling on my heart about adoption uh, way back when I was a little girl. My mom died when I was 18 months old, and my dad remarried a couple years later, and 
Um, he had three children, and the woman he married had three children, and they were both widow widowers and decided to join their families together, um, and they wanted to adopt one another's children. So I always knew that I was adopted. My birth certificate was changed. It wasn't a traditional adoption, but I, it, it piqued my curiosity about adoption, and so I always knew that that was something I wanted to do. I wanted to work with the adoption community, and in particular, God drew my heart towards uh, women that were in unplanned pregnancies. So for about the last 29 years or so, I've worked with women in unplanned pregnancies and about the last 15 years um, really worked in the field of adoption. And I've really been honored to come alongside of a lot of women who have found themselves in unplanned pregnancies. My youngest birth mom was 11 and my oldest wow. was 49. I've had everything in between from middle school, high school, college girls, married women, incarcerated people prostitutes, um, uh, drug addicts, everything that you can imagine. There is no stereotypical woman that finds herself in an unplanned pregnancy and is considering adoption. So that was really my passion and my calling. Um, and then after a few years, I, I kind of flipped the switch a little bit and uh, became an adoption specialist where I worked with adoptive families and helped to write their home studies and to uh, look into them and whether they were safe and suitable places for a child. Um, and then I moved into the supervisory kind of position. And so now I am a service line director for Bethany Christian Services in Michigan. And that means I oversee the pregnancy counselors and the adoption specialists. So both sides of the adoption piece there um, in the professional world. And it's a great honor to continue to get to walk this journey with so many families and so many expectant moms as they consider this. Very, very cool. Wow, you've had a lot of of experience. I mean, even to, up to the point of your, your own growing up so that you've yeah. been in the adoption world I, a long time. Well, I know you asked me too to share just a little bit about um, back in 2009, MTV was looking to start a new reality show and they did that and it was called 16 and Pregnant and they uh, were going to follow the pregnancy of uh, about 10 teenagers that were 16 and pregnant and they felt that they were a little short-sighted in not covering someone who was planning adoption instead of parenting. And so they reached out to adoption agencies across the country, and I happened to have a 16-year-old, and I was working for Bethany Christian Services, and uh, those 16-year-old parents uh, were still together and really interested in telling their story in a way that was meaningful. So for the last seven years or so, um, they, MTV has covered their story, both their pregnancy and birth and adoption plan and the struggles of openness um, in several reality shows, uh, 16 and Pregnant, Teen Mom, and Teen Mom OG. Um, and so really we've gotten to speak into another generation about the potential of adoption as a wonderful life-affirming choice, and it's been a real honor for me to be a part of that. That's very cool. Do you have to be on TV then? Yes, actually. For, <laughs> I'm their social worker. I was their pregnancy counselor. Nice. So whenever we deal with issues of openness, struggles, or ongoing challenges with communication between adoptive families and birth parents, um, and then now with a seven-year-old child and the questions that she is asking about why was she placed for adoption and her parents are now married and have an, a full biological sibling to her that they are parenting, so that opens up even more questions. Uh, so the whole triad is covered of adoption in that program, and I am the person that they discuss it all with. Wow. You're the celebrity then. 
I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> but I, I am called Don the Adoption Professional. That's awesome. Well, well, that's what we'll call yeah. you too. That's that's very very cool <laughs> that you do that. I'm sure it's uh, an emotional and uh, kind of a struggle at times too, not just all fun and games, right? Right. That that roller coaster ride mm-hmm. that uh, folks find themselves on. Yep. Well, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today because I really, uh, with all the experience you have and the wisdom and knowledge, I think we really can use your help to figure out how we can talk to our family and friends about our adoption plans, what's going on, how do we uh, explain things to them, uh, what do we do when they ask us things that are difficult to answer. Uh, So I just got some questions that we want to go through, and uh, if you're ready, let's go. Sure. Okay. Well, I, the first thing I wanted to ask was just, you, you figured out you want to adopt and you want to not only announce your plans, but then explain them to your family and friends. What's, what's the best time to announce your plans or do you, or do you wait? Yeah. And I think that that can be kind of a personal uh, journey and response to that. But I do know that during the home study or home assessment uh, period of time, that the the couple or the, the those that are adopting are asked, you know, how does your family feel about this? Who's going to be your support system? So it would seem that you would want to have some framework of an answer when you begin the home study process. And so I think it's it's great to kind of come in for a soft landing with family members and say, this is something we're considering. We feel God's laid this on our heart. We think this is a great way to grow our family, and we would love to have your support in the journey. And I think for some folks, the discussion of infertility and adoption can be very personal and also very painful to discuss sometimes. And so that has to be a discussion that you're ready for and equipped for because that's when some of the questions come out that can sometimes be worded in ways that feel a little bit um hurtful maybe or unkind um, by family members and friends. Yeah, I think it's in our experience anyway, it's almost like you have to uh, be prepared to to teach them about what adoption really is and why and be prepared to answer why we're going down that road and teach them um, kind of the right way to uh, talk about adoption. Because I think so many people have just misperceptions through whatever movies or TV shows or whatever they've watched or, or found in going through their own life, the, a, lot of the, a lot of misperceptions about what adoption really is. So when we go to explain our adoption plans, should we kind of come up with a plan of how we wanted to explain it? And should we talk to maybe like a social worker through our home study before we even announce our plans? That it's interesting that you're asking that. You know, tonight is orientation here in the branch that I'm actually in in Michigan. And I always think about this when I get in front of this group of very eager families. This is kind of the first putting your big toe in the water mm-hmm. and getting all this, we call it the fire hose of information that gets, you know, lands on you that night. And there's always these big questions, all of these things about who do we tell? When do we tell? How do we tell? <laughs> What kind of language do we use? And and I always say to them, you didn't know that you were signing up to now be an educator to the world. <laughs> Everybody who's around you is now going to feel free 
to kind of, you know, shove their way into your personal spaces and ask you those sensitive questions that ordinarily would be private information. So I do think it's really great for couples to start to dialogue about it together and maybe with a trusted family member or friend that you can practice on so that um, it desensitizes you a little bit to some of the maybe hurtful answers or questions that you're going to hear from others. But you're right, you now become this person who gets asked a lot of questions about why are you doing this and what does this look like and what's the journey going to be for you. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure you tell people too that there's really no right or wrong answers because it it depends on the person that's closest to you or how close they are to you, what kind of relationship you have with them. And, uh, you know, just like you're sharing any kind of personal information with certain people, you share more than others, correct? That's correct. Absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about, um, in particular, when you're presented with a situation of an expectant mom or expectant parents, And kind of what do you tell your family members and friends about that? And I think you always want to think about protecting some information that may be personal or that someone may misconstrue or use in a different way than you would want them to. So you have to be careful about who you tell what to and how much information you give. So um, I think maybe less is more in this situation, Um, giving bite-sized pieces instead of the whole banquet and keeping the banquet between the two of you, I think is a really wise uh, way to look at that. Yeah, what do you do if you have, uh, if you're starting out with some bite-sized information for people and they're pretty excited for you and all they wanted was more, how do you explain to them like, okay, I'm not ready to tell you more. How can you do that graciously? I think it's really great to just be honest and say, yeah, this is a journey we're just now getting ourselves into. We don't have all the answers, and I think things will kind of roll out to us in due time. And as we're comfortable, we'll be sharing that information with folks and kind of just put it out on the table in as kind of a way as you can that this is sensitive. And there's a lot of times that there's going to be unknowns that we don't have the answers to And there are ways that you can support us without having all of the information. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot because I know in our experience, too, you just have some really well-intentioned friends and family members that just will ask you a difficult question or or an insensitive one to you or maybe just plain ignorant one. And some of them are really hit you to the core. <laughs> I don't know how else right. to put it. That they're just uh you you're thinking in your mind, I how can you be so insensitive? But a lot of it is they don't know what they don't know. You know, they they're they really need to be educated. It's it's kind of sad that we have to educate them, but that's the way it is. And I think that will help us all in the long run to take your chances or take your opportunities to educate them uh, when they do ask those kinds of questions. Do you have any other tips for how we would deal with those kind of questions? Yeah, I think, I think handling things with humor is a great way to respond to people when, you know, when people say things like, well, you know, it must be really tough that you can't have your own children. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you come back from that? How do you, how do you respond to a situation like that? And, 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 have an answer that you've kind of 
pre-recorded in your mind, something that you can say that feels good to you, but doesn't put you on the defensive and doesn't always kind of ignite your fuse at the same time. Um, and, and have some of those ways of responding and really think about it in advance because we hear this from adaptive families all the time that they get it's the same the same questions put mm-hmm. to them over and over and over again and it gets tiresome but if you can see it as an opportunity to educate and an opportunity to tell your child's story in a different way I think you're going to be further ahead. It's kind of like the pregnant women who say, there's always people coming up and touching my stomach. Now, when in life would you ordinarily just walk up and touch some woman's stomach that you don't know? That is an odd behavior, and it's something that makes you want to punch somebody. That wouldn't be a proper response. And so you have to think of responses because this kind of is your time in waiting where, you know, it's your time of waiting for your child to come to be. And so you have to think of it in that way, that yeah. there's going to be people that say insensitive and rude things. And the best that you can do is have some pre-recorded answers in your mind and think of it with humor. And I just thought of something I'd like to do for the listeners here. Uh, if you and I could come up with, I have some off the top of my head and maybe you, I'm sure you do too. I'd like to come up with just some, a real quick list of questions that are very common that people may get thrown at them from friends or family so they can anybody listening to this can go oh okay that's what i have to be prepared to answer for instance one of them i i just thought of was and you kind of alluded to this was don't you want your own child or how much are you paying for that baby i mean oh boy can you think of any others that would that are pretty common that the folks would run into yeah I I think, you know, adoptive families pretty regularly will say that people say insensitive things to them like that about how much did you pay for your child or, you know, would, is this one your own? Sometimes when folks end up having a biological child or I'm so glad you were able to have your own child, Mm -hmm. those kinds of hurtful comments that, that come their way. And I think a lot of times it goes, the pendulum swings towards, the expectant parent and maybe saying derogatory things about them or assuming that they they must be promiscuous to be in the situation mm-hmm. or they must not care about this child because after all they're just quote giving them up for adoption um, and so having some responses to those things about you know nothing could be further from the truth they care very much about this child they are going through nine months of pregnancy and a, you know, potentially painful delivery and then the grief and loss process that's involved in relinquishing a child. So we honor them and we really respect them and uh, we think they're magnificent people to be choosing life for this child and giving a wonderful life to this child. Uh, so kind of, kind of having some answers to those questions or those comments that people make that give a comeback that's not snide or cutting, but is educational. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, you could even make a list of questions that, that you need to prepare to have an answer for. I mean, there's some that are not even that insensitive or that uh, audacious. I mean, I've had some like, have you gotten the baby's room ready yet? Or, or how long have you guys been waiting to adopt? Why is it taking so long to adopt? You know, or, you know, those kinds of things that are not horrible questions, but something you probably have to answer over and over and over again. So, 
I think, too, with regards to openness, a lot of times adoptive families find themselves on the defense of, of, of kind of explaining why are they still in relationship with the birth parents once the child is born. Well, why are you doing that? Isn't that confusing to the child? Very true. Why, you know, why are you continuing to have face-to-face visits and those kinds of things where it is about educating and about helping folks to understand what a healthy triad of adoption looks like. Yeah, absolutely right about that. There's, there's a lot of questions about that. Even when you're waiting to adopt, I think we've had some questions just about, okay, what, what type of child are you going to get? You know, yeah. what, what are your, basically asking what your preferences are, what's, what is going to, what kind of child you're looking to adopt. But that can come in the form of all sorts of questions that are, some are, more insensitive than others. (laughs) Yeah, especially if you're adopting across racial lines and that's not something that's comfortable for whoever it is you're conversing with, um, that can bring about some really uncomfortable conversations. Uh, But I think if you can turn it again towards an education moment of we were really excited about preserving this child's heritage, about celebrating their heritage, about educating ourselves so that we are well-versed and understand about hair care and cultural experiences and celebrations that they would be ordinarily having if they had remained in their family of origin. All of those things are so important and I think can be great ways of having um, stimulating conversations with people that they'll come away saying, wow, I never thought about that. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think some family members, uh, and this is probably good to keep in mind as well, that some family members, especially those really close to you and friends close to you, you probably need to give them a chance to kind of comprehend adoption. You know, uh, uh, maybe some of them really feel strong in the family's quote unquote bloodline. You know, it's something to, for our family and friends to comprehend, I guess. And we need to kind of give them time to do that. Right. And I, I think, um, because adoptive families that are in the process generally have some pretty uh, tall orders of educating themselves in the process. I know in particular in our infant adoption program at Bethany, we require families to have 30 hours of education um, prior to their adoption being um, finalized. And that's a lot of education. And we come from that perspective, um, you know, adoptive families then come from that perspective of you've had all this time to learn all this, and now that those people that are approaching you with these questions or even inappropriate um, uh, negative adoption language, um, you can't assume that they have had the time with the information that you have had. So so it is about about teaching them. I, I always say, you know, if, if you come to me and talk to me about computers, that's a whole different language. And I'm, I am quite certain I'm going to stomp all over the correct terminology. It's not going to be there because I don't know it. I haven't studied it. I don't have uh, that type of language. But if you teach me, then I can begin to start to use the correct terminology. And I think it's the same thing with adoption. Um, 
we can't expect that people are in the same place that we are after we've gone through hours of education and home city assessment and really thinking and praying and talking and pondering about adoption for the length of time that we do prior to the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well put. How would you explain proper adoption language to family and friends? You know, I mean, that's part of our education of them. If you mentioned it a little bit ago when you said giving up your baby, mm-hmm. how, what's the best way for us to properly explain adoption language to our family and friends? I think the way we talk and the words that we choose, they say a lot about what we think and what we value. Um, and so we want to use positive adoption language because it, it helps to not perpetuate the myth that adoption is second best. Um, And when we use positive adoption language, you reflect the true nature of adoption, which is free of all the innuendo and those kinds of things that people say. So let me give you an example of maybe like a negative adoption language thing that adoptive families might hear. Sometimes they'll say, well, well, what about their real parent? And so if, if someone else is the real parent, what does that make you, the fake parent? So, no, you would want to say, so then you would, when you were coming back with your your answer, you would say, well, they're birth parents or they're biological parents. That would be the kind of answers that you would give in explaining that we're their adoptive family, they have a biological parent or a birth parent instead of a real and a fake parent. Or even the terminology, like you mentioned, put up for adoption That came from an interesting time in America's history where the orphanages in New York City were overfilled and children were put on orphan trains by very well-meaning clergy and taken across the country to less populated areas. And at the train stations, they would be filed out and put up onto uh, these stands at the train stations. And so that's where the terminology put up for adoption came. And it's very disempowering. It doesn't give birth parents options and choices. And so, and, and, you know, so we talk about that as making a, an adoption plan or a life plan for your child rather than putting up for adoption. And I think a lot of times people will use the terminology give up for adoption. And that, that kind of um, denotes when you give something up or give something away, you know, you put things out to the trash you don't want or something that's no longer of value to you or something that's broken. That's not what we do with children. We make a very thoughtful plan for their life. And so we talk talk about it in those terms of making a life plan or choosing an open adoption plan for your child. So there's a lot. I mean, there are ways that people can educate themselves. There are some cheat sheets that talk about positive adoption language and negative adoption language and what's appropriate and what's not, uh, what's offensive and what's not. And I think, you know, helping family members to see that is really going to help the cause of adoption, not only your own, but going forward is going to make that experience of your adoptee, that child, so much richer and better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in all your your experience, can you think of like one of the most, I don't know, clever ways or maybe just a way that a, an adoptive family really successfully shared their plans with family and friends, something that really worked well? Um, well, I, I think with social media today, a lot of times we see how people announce pregnancies and we've seen adoptive families do some really creative things like that as well. And it's, it's kind of touchy because 
many times you may be in a relationship with an expectant mom, but that's not a confirmed adoption yet until there is a termination of parental rights. So you can't necessarily announce that during the pregnancy or even shortly after the birth until there's been some termination of parental rights. But I think celebrating in some of those same ways of of taking those fun family pictures where, you know, you show the lineup of shoes and there's an additional one or kids have, I'm going to be a big brother, I am a big sister. Those kinds of things are great ways to tell your adoption story um, once that story is completed. And that's the hard part for people because family members, they want to start talking about it during the pregnancy or during, you know, that time, that legal risk period of time. And that's not a time where you can be sharing that. So it's kind of a tight wire thing that you're you're walking, um, trying to know when to say things, how to say things, and what's the appropriate audience to say them to. So to answer whether people have had creative ways, they certainly have, but they, it seems to be that it has to be delayed a little bit further into the journey, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I like the idea of, as you mentioned before, less is more. You know, you can start out with with small <laughs> and and go big when you have the ability to go big. Like you said, after the parental rights are, are terminated and, yeah, you're able to do that, then you can go big and and uh, have your, your big announcement and really uh, talk about it in a lot more than you have in the past. So I, I like the idea of just starting slow and putting putting bits out there that you can up until the point where you can share everything or share as, as much as you want. Anyway, I think that's another important thing that I wanted to bring up was uh, how much to share. Cause I know from our experience, I mean, you don't want your, your child's story is their story. Right. And it's very important to, I think for everybody to know that it's probably not in their, in your child's best interest to explain everything. Uh, so right. other people will come up to your child and say, Oh, Hey, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And they haven't even fully grasped or understood their own story. So mm-hmm. can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. Well, I, I want to rewind just a little bit because I think so often people are well-meaning and they really want to know how can they support you. And so yes. giving tangible ways that you can be supported and allow people to support you is going to help them to feel like they are engaged and involved in your plan, even though they don't have all the nuts and bolts of the story. So thinking of ways that your small group or your family or your really close friends, siblings can wrap around you and, you know, really everyone can pray for you. And that's a wonderful, wonderful gift that they can give. And everyone or some of your friends or family members may be able to provide some sort of respite care for your other children while you're going through the hospital time or while you're going through meetings with expectant parents or doctor's appointments or even, you know, anticipating that whole court time. And then, you know, supporting adoptive families by maybe bringing meals like acts of service, doing things that can really encourage family members. Those are really, really ways that you can allow people to be involved without sharing all of the information that you may not be able to share. But speaking to that, you know, lots of times we have children that may be drug exposed, um, maybe their parents have been homeless, uh, maybe they've come through some really, really rough times in life. 
And it's not appropriate to share all of that, you know, with the masses because they're going to put that through their filter, which is different than yours, and come up with their own preconceived ideas about this person who's placing their child for adoption, which then can cause some transference onto the child and what they think about the value of that child or the expectation for their education or barriers they may have in life. And so you you want to hold that information kind of closely. Um, just as any parent, when your kids are going through rough times, that information is not shared far and wide. It's shared with trusted advisors, with people uh, with, that can give wise counsel to you, with those that you know will uphold you in prayer and encourage you uh, in the journey. So those kinds of sensitive pieces of information about your child's past, maybe they are a product of of sexual assault. Um, maybe there's just been some protective service involvement in their life and they've had other children removed and now they're, you know, in a situation where they can make a voluntary plan. So there's just lots of pieces along the way that are not appropriate to share with everyone, but those that are adopting need that information and they need to be careful about who they share it with to protect, as you mentioned, their child's story and their child's ability and right to tell their own story in their own time and in their own words when they're ready to do so. Absolutely. Yes. That's so, it's such an important thing that uh, I think kind of tends to get lost, especially in the age of, of independent adoption where you may not have a, a good counselor, a good social worker like yourself that can give you that wisdom, that, that experience of, uh, of telling you this is what you should do. We're a lot of us are out there kind of, you know, winging it and doing our own thing, trying to get a, a match with a expectant mother. And uh, there's a lot of things that go along with adoption. I think that we, we need to really need to grasp. And I think that's the importance of uh, sometimes with working with adoption agencies is you get that experience, you get that social worker that can uh, guide you and share those things with you. Right. You know, I don't know if you remember that book that's been around for a long time, What to Expect When You're Expecting. It's kind of like adoptive families need that same sort of manual, what to expect when you're, you know, matched with someone and mm -hmm. when you're in this adoption plan, almost like a how-to guide of what what should I do, what should I say, when should I say it, how should I say it, those kinds of things. And it's a, something, it's a journey just like parenting that you navigate along the way, doing the best you can with the best information. But you're right, it really does help to have a caring community around you and hopefully somebody who's a professional that can guide you in that. Yeah. Well, we're, we're writing that book right now. We're just... Well, good. <laughs> no, no. It'll just... be well read, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, we could take this whole conversation and put it in there because uh, you have some really good good tips and, and wisdom to share with folks. One uh, one more thing I wanted to ask, a kind of specific question, I guess, because, and we all run into it, it's having to do with a baby shower or a dedication slash baptism. How do you explain to family and friends, because it's really personal, it's up to you when you want to do a baby shower or when you want to do a dedication or baptism, and how do you explain to them how, when you want to do that? And like they, maybe they want to do it too early than, than you want to. How yeah. would you explain that? Yeah. Well, you know, the laws are different in every state. And so you have to be sensitive to that in, in understanding when there is termination of parental rights. Because in adoption, there can't be a transfer of parental rights to an adoptive family until the rights of the 
birth parents have been terminated. And so it would be premature to do any of those things like baby showers, dedications, baptisms, um, those kinds of things would be premature until that truly is your child. It would, you know, it, it just would not be the right time. And so in the best way that you can, that's how you have to explain it to your friends and family members that there is this legal period of time where it, things have not been completely transferred to you. Now, you may have the baby in your home. You may be caring for that child 24-7. There may be several weeks or even months that go by, depending on where you are and what the law is in that state. Um, and so during that period of time, you almost have to see yourself as a glorified babysitter, which is really painful because you're the one that's missing sleep and you're the one that's cleaning dirty diapers and, you know, loving and hoping and that this is a forever child in your family. And so it can be really difficult when others are trying to push those type of monumental occasions on you and you just have to be able to explain to them that we're still in this legal risk period of time. And so once we get through that, then we can have the biggest celebration ever with whomever we would like to. And so that that is the best way that we explain it. It's premature to have those things prior to the legal process being complete. Yeah, I like that. I really do. That's that's really good to kind of. Uh, it's not really. It's not up to you. It's it's the legal situation you're in. So right. yeah, right. I like that a lot. And the same thing when we're talking about you know giving the information out too quickly to too many people. It is so difficult to rewind that if things fall apart and there's a disruption. Let's say, you know, uh, the birth parents determine that parenting is the right choice for them and they have a right to do that. And so then you have to kind of go back to everybody that you told and rewind that information. And it's a very painful time for you. So the fewer people that you have to do that with, the better it is for you. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have support people because you're going to need them to pray for you and encourage you through a disruption if that happens as well. But you just want to be cautious to not spread that far and wide where you're going to have to then go back and make explanations and for months and many years to come, give explanation for why that didn't work out the way you thought it was going to. Great advice. Yeah. Be selective on who you choose uh, um, mm-hmm. to tell. Yes. Yeah, very, very good advice. Well, I want to just wrap this up. If you could just, uh, if there's any other tips that you could share or uh, resources that you could share that we could, the folks could learn more about how to talk with family or friends, please share them and uh, we'll just wrap up with that. Yeah, Focus on the Family has a great little booklet called Wrapping Around Adoptive Families, uh, and it's how to provide support to those who feel called to adopt. Um, Bethany also has um, a resource guide about uh, positive adoption language that could be helpful to folks. Um, There's lots of YouTube-type videos on the Bethany.org website that can explain a little bit more about what is this whole thing of openness and adoption and why is it an important thing. And you can actually hear testimonials from birth moms who have placed their babies for adoption in open adoptions. Uh, And I think uh, really for folks that have family members that are involved, really ask them, how can we support you? How can we encourage you? Um, What are the best ways for us to wrap around you? with encouragement. And uh, I think I think God's word has something to say 
about adoption, and I think that's a great resource to go to as well. And, um, you know, he, he assures us that this was his plan and that every day that was ordained for us was written in his book before one even came to be. Um, and so I think it's a beautiful picture of a father relationship. And so those would be the things that I would kind of point people to and, and to just really make themselves available to learning alongside of your friend or family member that's walking the adoption journey. Absolutely. Great stuff. Yes. If you haven't been taking notes and listening to Don along the way, I will share the notes with you in this episode's uh, show notes. So don't worry if you're driving along and uh, you're trying to write down all these things that Don is talking about because we'll we'll share them with you. So thank you so much for joining us today, Don. Uh, your wisdom and experience have just have been fabulous. Uh, the, all the great tips and resources you shared with us. It's such a big topic. I think we could talk about it at least for another hour to uh, uh, go over everything. And I know you do that uh, in your orientation meetings with uh, the folks uh, at Bethany there. But uh, thank you for all the support and the help you've been providing for the adoption community for so many years. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Tim. God bless you oh, on your God journey. Bless you. That's yes. so exciting that you're adopting again. And <laughs> I'll look forward to following along your journey okay yeah i'd like to see how it turns out we'll have to check you out on the mtv there and see see you on the <laughs> tv shows <laughs> okay all right thanks Don. Right. take care well, you have a great afternoon yep you too bye-bye bye All right, I just love talking with Dawn. She just has so much to share. And after talking with her during this interview, I just felt like she's the kind of warm and genuine person you just want to invite to have a cup of coffee with so you can just soak up more of her knowledge. And so I hope you really did enjoy that interview. And you can find the highlights and links we talked about on today's show over at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 41. So don't worry about it if you didn't catch everything that we talked about today. I got you covered in the show notes. And I really want to especially thank Bethany Christian Services for sponsoring this episode. You know, I don't take it lightly bringing on a sponsor to the show because it's your show and you deserve only the best resources and information, but I appreciate them sponsoring the show. And thanks again for you joining me today. My hope and prayer is that you will adopt soon and you will reach the dream of becoming parents. God bless. Thanks for listening to my dad.